Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, May 14th, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And, you know, we are dedicated to you tennis fans. This is another 6.30 a.m. podcast, and, uh, you know, it's actually beneficial to be doing it this early in the morning because we were able to get a few more results uh, done. There is still tennis going on at the moment, but uh, there's a couple, you know, big matches that we're able to finish that we are going to be able to to talk about today. But of course, I have to bring on a co-host to discuss all this tennis with me, and that is DraftKings champion and my fellow betting tennis partner, Kale Hammond. What's going on, man? Yo, what's going on? Good to be here. The mornings, mornings are great. My brain works so much better in the mornings. It just really does. And especially for Rome. It makes sense to do it in the morning because now we have all these fresh results to discuss, all these hot topics going on. I do not envy your job of having to lead the way and uh, steer the ship. It's a lot easier said than done, so I'm going to sit back and let you get going, and uh, I'm here if you need me, so thank you. Thank you for putting in the hard work. Of course, of course. It's you know it's easier when I've got a, a knowledgeable man on the other side, so... Uh, thank you for making my job easy as well. But as you said, we've got some tennis to discuss, so so let's get right into it. I think I first just want to discuss. So today today we're gonna go through Rome, some of the matches that have happened, uh, and then of course it is Tuesday, so we've got Twitter Tuesday. But I think the first match that I just want to talk about is the Daniil Medvedev and Nick Kyrgios match. It's a match that Kyrgios won six three three six six three. And to be honest, I don't know how many people were expecting this win. I mean, you know, again, it's curious. The guy can beat anyone if he wants, um, but he just he hasn't been playing, you know, fantastic tennis. And, and Medvedev, on the other hand, has been playing great tennis. Um, what did you see, and, and you know, what, why did Kyrgios take this match? Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the match yet, but when I was building the DraftKings lineup and I was going over the gambling odds and analyzing, you know, the matches for tomorrow and which what to look out for, what to watch, doing some previews, um, I just sat there and stared at this one for like 10 minutes. I was just like, well, this is just, this is, I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot pole, man. Like, this is a classic, classic case of Nick Kyrgios with nothing to lose playing against Daniel Medvedev, who's a stud. And has been crushing everyone, you know. This season he's not great on clay, um, but he, you know he's had a fantastic clay court season, making semis of, I believe, Monte Carlo and semis of Barcelona. Was it? I think yeah, Barcelona. Yeah, Barca. Finals so in Barca. Sense. So so a guy who's you know his level just sort of transcends the surface with his consistency and his power, but also it's like okay, Nick Kyrgios playing Medvedev. This is perfect because. Medvedev was a massive favorite um, as far as, you know, favorites versus Nick Kyrgios go. Um, you know, he maybe thought, I don't know. This is just, I stared at this one. I was just like, all right, well, this is just, this is the classic Nick Kyrgios, nothing to lose, man. She could get this one. But at the same time, it was probably going to go three sets. Um, so, you know, avoid avoid the three setters when you're doing the DraftKings and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I ha- I'll watch the match later today. But this is just makes perfect sense, you know. Just totally nothing to lose, and that's 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 my take right now. Perfect yeah. curious, nothing to lose match. Yeah, exactly. I mean, also if you if you want to look at the stats here, ridiculously impressive serving from Curious, seventy percent 
first serve percentage and he wins 79% and honestly even more impressive he wins 68% of his second serves I mean the guy must have been you know doing the classic again I didn't get to watch this either it was while we were asleep but uh, you know he must have just been able to to pull off those huge second serves and you know sometimes he just likes to bomb second serves like he does on his first serve and you know not give it uh, it's just the, it's the classic curious uh, so and it's in its first round so he's got the fresh shoulder so you know he was dropping some piss rockets today oh definitely uh, and you know Medvedev his stats don't look too bad you know 54% of his first serves he wins 78% of those first serve points a much lower second serve percentage uh, point percentage with 49% uh, you know a pretty even amount of break point opportunities for each you know Medvedev had four, Kyrgios, uh, you know, had three, and so a pretty even, so a tight match, but, uh, you know, I think people are going to be somewhat surprised by this result. Uh, I, I was going to save this for the Twitter Tuesday segment, but I, I feel like I just have to bring it up now. So they caught, you know, on the camera, on the mic, whatever you want to call it, uh, Kyrgios saying on a changeover, you have bad hands and no talent, but let's just make a nice slow court for you. And they don't, and I guess the, you know, Marina's Tennis, who, who tweeted this, uh, you know, doesn't know if he was saying it towards, you know, Medvedev or not. Um, some Someone replied saying he was mocking clay court tennis. But regardless, if he is talking about Medvedev, that's ridiculous. The dude definitely has talent. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't see why he'd be, you know, mocking him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there any video of it? Like once again, we should, we should, we should see, but this is sort of the typical, I mean, honestly, like honestly, when I grew up playing Jack sock, he used to do this. He used to do that all the time, um, versus, versus people who are, you know, like he would just, you know, just like say something that was true sort of, but also at the same time, just like demeaning a little bit to the opponent just to you know maybe get him think get maybe get him thinking about something you know because like it is true like Nick Kyrgios has way better hands and he's way more talented than Medvedev and so Nick Kyrgios was probably feeling pretty good and you know wanted to talk a little shit get in his opponent's head you know I don't know if he did it with an ear it seems like he probably did it with an earshot um who knows if Medvedev heard or you know took offense to it but yeah, I mean, it's just Kyrgios hits that heavy ball, that huge serve. He was probably feeling really confident, probably felt pretty healthy. And when he's feeling like that, you know, he, he, he knows he's going to win. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not a good look, but, you know, maybe some mental gamesmanship. I mean, worse things have happened on a tennis court. Like, you know, if you, at least if you're going to come like come at some guy, you can come directly at their, at their ability level. Versus like Sitsipas calling Medvedev a bullshit Russian. Why does everyone <laughs> with Medvedev? The guy's terrifying. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> He's the huge. The guy is a fucking six foot six Russian. Why do people want to mess with him? It doesn't make sense. I certainly wouldn't mess with him if I was playing. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. It. it... The guy doesn't look like he's not like one of those friendly giant type guys. He he's like, if you mess with me, I I will kill you. So <laughs> again, uh, I'm with you. I I wouldn't even mess with him at all. But um, look, Kyrgios clearly 
has his own ways and doesn't seem to care. So uh, not shocking, and, and I'm sure we'll we'll see a lot more of that. One just crazy part of this match before we move on, he closed out the match with four aces. So, you know, just, just goes to show how, uh, you know, ridiculous he was serving and, and just goes to show how good how well and how high a level of tennis you can play when you really don't care about the result <laughs> exactly i mean look whenever i don't care i play well too maybe that's the the secret recipe here but. i mean it is the secret but finding the right balance of, of playing the right way and not caring about the result is is you know the secret sauce because you can't care too much about the result when you care too much about the result you focus on winning and when you focus on winning you sort of play you don't play that your best brand of tennis. Exactly. Yep, I, I'm right there with you. Well, let's let's talk about some guys who probably do care a, a little bit more about the result. And this is a match that uh, Gruskin and I previewed briefly. And this is the Borna Chorich FAA match. A match that Chorich wins 6-7, 6-3, 6-4. You know, going into this match... It, as a betting man, I actually was taking Chorich, um, and and this was, you know, a really great result for me to see from him because I, I think for you know the last month or couple months I, I want to say we uh, there's been a lot of focus on FAA and Zverev and Tsitsipas, and I think people have forgotten a little bit about Chorich, and the dude is a tank. I mean, the the guy is just it, he's so consistent. He, he I don't feel like I'm watching him lose many you know bad matches. Yes, he's he's had a couple this this year. Like he, he did lose um, first round in Madrid to Luca Pui, who you know has not been playing good tennis. So that that you know that's not a particularly good loss for him. But typically, I feel like Chorich has just been so consistent since he's started, you know, winning more matches on the tour. Um, great win for him here. Yeah, it was a hu- it's a huge win. I mean, and it sort of makes sense. Like the Lucas Pui, I was talking to my roommate, um, Garrett Brasso, who played tennis at Georgia. He grew up, you know, he's a really good junior player, grew up playing on the ITF circuit with Lucas Pui. And he said, look, Pui is so unbelievably talented. He's one of the most talented guys we have in our sport. Um, in just terms of ability and ball striking and just natural talent. And the a guy like Chorich is like, if Pui, he's playing Pui, sometimes Chorich doesn't, you know, be the aggressor and force the issue. And a guy like Pui, if you don't force the issue and you just give him a couple, you know, mid-court clean looks, he can just hit the win. He can just hit the winner, no problem. And then he'll go back to the, you know, start the next point. Just like he's so good. And then a guy like FAA does sort of force the issue and, you know, running around Chorich and, you know, moving him. But that's what he wants. Chorich likes to feel that sort of pressure because then it, it makes his decision-making on the tennis court easier because then he can just react. And this guy is, like, ambidextrous as, as can be. He's, like, left, he's left-handed. Born and Chorich is left-handed, but he plays right-handed. That's why his forehand's weaker than his backhand because his backhand's unbelievable. He's got one of the best backhands in the world. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because... FAAs, you know, putting the pressure on him, hitting those heavy inside-out forehands to Chorich. And Chorich loves that. He freaking loves it. If you hit a heavy, you know, huge inside-out forehand, the guy is so fast, so strong, and his backhand is so good that he's going to be able to handle that no problem. So, I mean, that does sort of make sense. And mentally, mentally he's probably a little tougher than Felix. Felix is a young kid. Chorich has been there before. Chorich is nails. Yeah, I mean, Charge, he goes out there and he grinds. And 
I, I do think, you know, like you said, that that was a great matchup uh, against FAA, who, you know, I, I'm sure, again, I, I wish I got to see this match, uh, but, you know, had to have been the aggressor out there. And, you know, just looking at the statistics again, uh, first serve percentage from Chorich, 68%. He wins 81% of those points. Yeah, that that's a, a huge amount. But the big difference in this match, FAA had one break point opportunity on Chorich. Chorich had 10. 10 yeah. break point opportunities. Sounds like Chorich came out and played a lot better than FAA. Yeah. You know, crazier things have happened. The kid's 18 years old. He's pro- honestly, he's probably getting fatigued too. His oh, first yeah. his first legit ATP, you know, European clay court swing. It's not for the faint of heart. TFO's got another match point here. He's he just choked him. I didn't I can't say choke. He did not choke it, but he 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 had a match point against Susan. He got the point going and he didn't get anything going. Ugh. Ooh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the multitasking is real. I, I'm doing the same thing. Um, he did not but, choke it. I say that just because, you know, if you if you lose a match point and you get the point going, you know, it's yeah. just a common tennis term. He of definitely course, did not choke it. And he's got another <laughs> one right now. So let's go, Francis. <laughs> Always rooting for Francis. But just to, to wrap up this match, you know, uh, Borna and, and FAA have now played twice. Last time they played before this match was uh, at Miami, where FAA did take the match. So uh, Borna with a nice little revenge there. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, just two more matches. Um, I, I want to bring up Kieran Kachanov, uh because he has had just a, a rough season so far. Uh, you know, he he really has been struggling in 2019 you know in in madrid he loses second round of Rodasco. in munich he loses first round of kolschreiber barcelona first round of Peya. monte carlo first round of sanego miami first round of thompson i mean just a rough stretch he, he played well at indian wells uh but before that it's because had... of that racket switch did you hear about that i mean i, I know he switched but yeah, so he's using that Wilson racket, the black and green blade, and then yeah. he switched for no reason to a head racket, and then he played with that for like one tournament, lost, and then switched back, and then just like it sort of threw off his mojo a little bit. But um, he's back on the heavy, slow court conditions in Rome. Rome is playing extremely slow, sort of humid there. Um, you know, in the mid sixties, so not, not too hot. So the balls aren't really flying. It's playing pretty slow. Haven't really seen too many aces out there, but I mean, the slower, the condition, the better for Kachanov because he just hits such a massive ball off both sides as, as Jan Leonard Struff takes the first over Dimitrov six, four. That was a good pick in DraftKings. we got a little, I can go on a side tangent about Dimitrov and, and his female comparison on the uh on the tennis court so whenever you're ready for that let me know but um <laughs> but yeah Kachanov um look he I think he's getting it back I think he's getting it back he had a good win over Batista Agut today slow clay court is probably Batista Agut's worst surface he's the rare Spaniard who's actually better on fast courts because he hits through the ball and he hits such a flat and thick ball but he really doesn't get too much top on it um and Kachanov does Kachanov his forehand and his backhand, for that matter, are just heavy artillery shots, um, and so I think I think he's going to get it back. I think he might he might have a decent run here. I mean, the guy's a six foot six uh, hyper athletic Russian who who hits one forty serves and cranks the ball off both sides. You know, if he just gets a little confidence going, 
you know, watch out. Yeah, I, I hear you there. And, and he did just take out RBA uh, in the second round, five seven six four six two. So, uh, as you said, maybe this is the tournament where he makes a little bit of a breakthrough. Uh, but let's let's talk about one more match. And this is a match that you know was disappointing for me, but uh, we even you know got to talk about it a little bit beforehand. Joe Willie Sanga played Fabio Fonini, and this is a match Fonini uh, took pretty handily, in my opinion, six three six four, and Fonini man is playing ridiculous tennis. I mean, the guy is just, I mean, oh, in in he's terms just hitting of pure so shot smooth. making, in terms of pure shot making. This season, Fognini's number one. This season, he's number, number one. one. He's number one. The shots, the backhand down the lines that he's hitting. God, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. I'm gonna wake my roommate up. <laughs> the, the 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 backhand down the lines that he's hitting. He's hitting it like where the ball, sort of like a Nadal shot, but he doesn't have the spin and safety to get it back in the court. He's timing a flat crack backhand, and the ball is out for 98% of the time and then just curves in right at the last second. I mean, this guy is like, I was watching a lot of Matrix recently and this guy's, you know, he's playing a little like Neo right now. He really is. I mean, he just... Uh, Westoff needs to throw in a... Can you you throw in a little Matrix sound effect, please? (laughs) No, the guy's the one this season. Like, the guy just has been in the zone the whole time. He's just been in a zone, and it's good to see that he's playing the best tennis of his career. And it's interesting to see a guy like that who's been around for so long, you know, get it going to this degree as Francis blows another match point. Come on, Francis. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but no, Fognini, in terms of pure shot making, he's my number one on the season. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the the dude just won Monte Carlo. He took out Zverev, Chorich, and Nadal in that tournament. I mean – played just some he's playing some ridiculous tennis right now and uh lights you know, out sad because i you know sanga is my boy uh i i always am on his side when when he's playing and so uh can you know, we get sanga to stop with the stupid ass one-handed backhand passing shot yeah it doesn't help anyone that doesn't set a good example for the kids it, he doesn't make it that much that much either it's such a bailout shot like i haven't the guys maybe made like one in his entire career that, like, actually won the point off of, like, a running one-handed backhand shot. Dude, like, hit, use your left hand on the backhand and hit a normal shot. It's such a, it's such a bailout shot. That's how he lost match point. Fognini hit a drop volley, and Sanga ran up there and flicked a one-handed backhand that went 15 feet long, not even close. Yeah, I, I mean, it's fun to see when he, you know... Hits one of those flicks and it it rolls, but I agree he he abuses it and it it is a bad. It's example. not a good play. That's it's, just, it's not a good play. It's not helping him. He definitely loses like the ni- the point ninety percent of the time when he hits a flick running one handed backhand passing shot attempt. Yeah, nah, I'm I'm with you there. Well, look, you know those were were some of the big matches uh, from from the first round. We've got a lot of exciting. Next round matches, of course, we have Djokovic playing Chapo in the next round, which is going to be you know, really, really fun to watch. We've got Fritz playing Nishikori, uh, another exciting match. Uh, and, you know, there, there's some other good ones out there, too. You know, Borna is playing Cam Nori. Francis wins this match. He's going to play Federer in the next round. 
uh, you know, Verdasco's playing team, you know, that another another fun match to watch. So a lot of exciting tennis in the next round. But I also wanted to move over to the women's side uh, as, you know, there, there were some, you know, interesting results here and, and some fun next round matches. Venus, who I think had to, to win or had nine match points or yep. eight match points before winning this match against Mertens, uh, you know, wins seven five three six seven six, uh, and now is in the second round playing against her sister Serena. You know, the the last time, you know, a little interesting stat: the last time these two played in Rome was twenty years ago. Uh, Venus was eighteen and Serena was seventeen. You know, Venus beat her and then goes on to win the title here in Rome. So, you know, just. Uh, really cool opportunity to see these two face off again in such a you know late point in their mm, careers is it though what you're not excited about this is it though no i'm not excited about it why not at all everyone and it sucks too because i'm still you know i'm um doing some stuff content editing at tennis channel but i'm still you know helping out with social media sort of all hands on deck for this big clay court season and match like this you know they're hyping it up so much get the specific graphic get the videos ready get the and I'm just like, God, this is just such a waste of time because this is just such a like these they don't try when they play each other, dude. They oh, don't give me a break, they, dude. They don't. Come on, you think they don't want to play each other? They do not like bring the competitive juice when they play each other. Yeah, they're out there hitting balls, and it's great that you have two absolute legends of the sport on the court at the same time together but they don't want to play each other they don't enjoy playing each other and the the matches that they play typically are not good matches okay look i understand that not the not i'm gonna die to... on this hill so let's go okay I'm ready look <laughs> i i appreciate that look that i understand not wanting to play each other i wouldn't want to play my brothers that's that's not fun i don't think you can't you you literally cannot against a family member Get but, the juice levels high enough to where you're actually competing like you normally do. It's but I disagree. I, I, I totally disagree. I, there is not a single part of me that has that that is willing to lose to my brother. Like especially as an older brother, as Venus, you think you think she wants to lose to her younger sister? Yeah, right, man. That you know, for forever, I, think, I would I hear think from Serena my siblings. Wants to, I think Serena wants to lose a lot less than Venus does, which is why the, the you know the head to head is so astronomically in Serena's advantage as of late. But they don't want, to, and it's not like it's Max Rothman versus brother in the backyard. It's it's these these they've been through so much in their lives. The last thing they need is to beat one another. There's so much love there. For each other, they've been through so many hardships. Their sister died. Their, you know, their family issues that's gone on. Their, you know, the parents, the difficult parent situation growing up. They've been through a lot of shit together. And the last thing you want to do is, you know, affect that relationship by having to play. I mean, there's Look, a reason I... they didn't play. There's a reason they didn't. They didn't play growing up. It's not like they got to practice. Like they, they literally, one of them would default. They'd alternate who doesn't play. Like, that was the situation growing up. They don't... Like, watch this match. It's not going to be a good match. Watch I, it. Let's I, see. I, we'll I, see. I, I will watch the match, and I understand what you're saying there. Look, that Serena 
has won 18 of the matches. Venus has won 12. They've played 40 matches against each other. I think at this point in their career, they know what's going to happen. They they want to go out there. They're going to go out there and play. And while they don't necessarily enjoy beating each other, they respect each other. They're, just because one wins and one loses, you know, doesn't gonna isn't gonna cause any rifts between the two anymore. Especially this late in their career, they're they're you know mature and they've been through this. Uh, so I, I'm not that worried. And, and you know, I, I think besides you know the the extremely avid tennis fans like us who may know the nuances, I think most of the world excited to see this match. Yeah, they're excited to see the match, and it's not going to be a good match. They're going to be like, oh, that was sort of weird. <laughs> tennis, my, tennis must suck. No, but seriously, like it's it's amazing that they're playing together. But but look, I've I've watched enough Venus versus Serena matches to know that they do not bring the same level of competitive spirit to this match as they do their other matches. Not even close. Okay, you know what? You are you are going to die on this hill, and and you know these podcasts only have so much length to them. So uh, I'm I'm gonna let it rest there. We'll let the we'll let the fans decide. Maybe maybe we do a little Twitter poll, considering it's Twitter that'd Tuesday. Be a better, that'd be a good poll. That'd be a better poll than who's the best American mover on clay. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I remember, I remember that, and and talking about talking with Gruskin about that afterwards. It's so funny. Yeah, so so we'll we'll do. Uh, How about none of them? <laughs> that, that that's why we didn't do the poll. Because or actually, I think we did do the poll. That's even worse. I'm pretty sure Gruskin did put the poll out. Oh God! All right, well. We'll we'll do a a more interesting Twitter poll. We'll see if people are 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 excited about about this match. Um, but for the sake of time, let's let's just talk about one other match. Uh, I want to bring up young American Amanda Anasimova as a lucky loser comes in and takes down Cochiaretto, uh, an Italian six three six three. Cochiaretto is looking pretty good. You've seen her play before, right? Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, wild, <laughs> <laughs> totally wild card Italian into this, into this, uh, into this tournament. Um, I was yeah. building a DraftKings lineup, and for whatever reason, like, like I was trying to look up. I was on UTR's website trying to look her up. Like she didn't even exist. I was like, oh boy, here we <laughs> oh, go. God, it's <laughs> like good job. And it's way to way to pick a good match there. And Anisimova beats unnamed female player. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course the reason I bring it up is Anasimova now goes into the second round against Kiki Burtons, who's playing some you know, really, really solid tennis at the That's moment. gonna be a come to Jesus match for, for, for Anisimova. It's honestly good. You think that's that, what she needs? Yeah, it's gonna be great. Because Kiki's playing at, at a level, you know, she might be playing at the highest level of anyone on, on the women's tour right now. So, um and she's amazing on clay and she's the sweetest Sweetest girl you'll ever meet. She's one of the purest hearts and kindest people on tour. Uh, Kiki Burton's is, and she's a beast. She's like six foot one, and she's pretty strong too. And she moves really well, and she's dropping bombs. She leads the WTA in aces. So this is going to be a nice little come to Jesus match for Anisimova, who has all the time in the world and is going to make kajillions of dollars playing tennis. But yeah, this oh, is yeah. going to be a good. This might like raise her level a little quicker. Be like, oh. Okay, that's what the top girls are like right now. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. It's gonna be a fun match to watch. Uh, I want to quickly just go over a few other fun matches to look forward to in the next round. Uh, All American matchup: Madison Keys is playing Sofia Kennan. That'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, fourth seeded Pliskova is playing Tomjanovic. Uh, another fun match to to look forward to. Um, what else do we got? 
And then Sybil Kova is playing Osaka. So, you know, some, some good second round matches on the women's side. Uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. But I think now is as good a time as ever to move into our Twitter Tuesday. So, Westoff, if you'd give us the Twitter Tuesday sound effect, please. So there were, you know, a good amount of tweets going on this week um, and, you know, even today. And, and as, you know, we were talking, I actually was scrolling through a little bit. Apologies for not having my full attention on you, Kale. But I did find uh, another tweet from uh, Curious or, you know, about Curious. And I just wanted to bring this up really quick uh, from Oleg S., he, he posts curious after the win over Medvedev today. He said, I don't need to play much tennis to play good. I believe in myself every time I go out there. It doesn't matter how many matches I played. If I serve well, if I play my game, usually I come out on top. So, I mean, if you if you follow Kyrgios in on Instagram, I mean, you'll see he uh, has had a pretty relaxing last week or so or a couple weeks the dude's just been driving around playing basketball and, and chilling uh but i think he's right i mean when the dude serves well and he doesn't really care and just goes out there and plays this game he wins like we said but if you if you unless you have anything else just wanted to bring that point up because i saw that tweet yeah no i mean it's the you know makes sense yep okay cool well let's uh let's move on to a few other you know tweets that were fun to to see i, I want to talk about zverev really quick because I, I know you brought this up with gruskin on a previous pod uh zverev had there, there was a tweet about zverev and his management and how he's had you know not not necessarily struggles with it but talking about how you know it, it's been as he's building a brand as a player that it's been a lot of time and, and energy and it's been consuming you know Ben Rothenberg talks about how it's been tougher with this management situation. Do you think, you know, this has been something that's affecting his play? Yeah, absolutely. I talked about this. Um, I've been around the tour a little bit more and got to know some of these players. And it's definitely, especially when you're one of the top players and you're actually making good money as a tennis player, um, you know, like a lot of people are after you a lot of people want to be involved and there's a lot of stuff going on and it's definitely a more of a stressor for the players than it should be i think um especially the top guys when the amount of money you know that is Zverev is bringing in is involved as tfo goes down six four in the tie break he was up four one come on francis what are you doing <laughs> oh no five straight points oh, come on God. man let's go but yeah i mean um it was definitely a sort of an issue that Danielle Collins had to go through when um, she was changing management, and she was definitely not in the best of spirits, not her normal jovial, bubbly self. I was like, I wonder what's going on, and then I overheard a conversation with her and um, Pat Harrison about you know management and agents and stuff, and I was just like, oh damn, that's real, that's yeah. real stuff that these players have to deal with, and you know, tennis players are pretty good at 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 letting everyone else take care of their stuff, and fuck, Jao Souza just won. Damn. Oh, Francis had, I think, three match points. That's going to hurt. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a stressor for these players. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think anything that uh, if they're saying it's time-consuming and energy-consuming, it's going to affect their play. And, uh, you know, not not really what you want to hear. It, it, it's, it's unfortunate that that's the kind of thing that's going to affect someone. But, uh, you know, that that is the nature of the game. There are guys like Federer who, you know, have a lot more management and, you know, 
things going on outside and have for a long time. And so I, I think, you know, Zverev's young, he'll, he'll figure it out. But uh, just an interesting tweet to see from Ben Rothenberg. And, um, you know, a quick plug, uh, we, we've had him on the pod a couple of times, so make sure to go check out the, the uh, GSPs and the Cracked Interviews with Ben Rothenberg. But let's move on to another tweet I saw, you know, we on uh, Cracked Rackets like to talk about the fashion, and I don't know if you saw this, Kale, but there was a tweet on Roger Federer's, uh, I, I think it's for this tournament too, but the Rome slash uh, French Open outfit, it is disgusting. It's this like white and poop brown mix. And oh, it, I did see that. I did it, see the white just, and brown. It just couldn't be worse. Like I, I, I can't I, even believe that that's what he allowed i am not a fashionista by any means but a white and brown combo of any sort um is 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 sketchy oh yeah i I was i was very upset to to see that so uh, as as our you know resident uh fashion expert here which is not saying much uh it's just disgusting and i can't believe like he should have all the say in the world as to what he wears, and I know he's better than that. Uh, so, whatever. I, I uh, maybe he likes it. I, there, oh, if he does, then uh, then I don't like him anymore. Yeah, white um, and brown, not a good look. No, not not at all. Um, let let's move on to to another tweet that that I saw. Uh, looking at the point differential between the the players in the live rankings if you were to drop last year's rome points and this is a tweet from ashish novak djokovic would have 11,765 points and rafa would have 6900 points it's a 4800 point differential between number 1 and 2 and then federer team and zverev aren't far behind with 5700 4800 and 4100 but i mean it's just crazy i mean djokovic is going to be number 1 for yeah, the foreseeable a- future and Djokovic. Now, if you want to look at um, consecutive weeks at number one, Federer has the record. You know, yet two hundred and thirty-seven consecutive weeks, and you know, three hundred and ten total. Djokovic, uh, his longest record was one hundred and twenty-two consecutive. So Fed literally doubling that, uh, and he's currently. I, th- I want to say he he's been number one since late twenty eighteen. So it's you know it's, it hasn't been too long, but he's at two hundred and fifty-ish total weeks number one he's only you know a year behind total weeks yeah he's gonna get that he's gonna he's gonna get that record yeah he's gonna get that record for sure it's that's exactly what i thought when i was looking at the points i saw how far ahead djokovic was and i said oh my goodness that guy's gonna be number one in the world for the remainder of the year Uh, yeah Uh, it's and i I mean rack up another 30 weeks with with the tennis that he's playing i mean we could see this for he he. It makes a tough a tough debate for the goat debate, right? And, you know he he gets a couple yeah, more titles. Yeah, we gotta let them finish. You know we gotta let the obviously we can debate do our stuff, but you know we really can't. You know it's the goat race for a reason. Yeah, it's a race. They're not yep. done racing. I'm with you. Um, two more tweets and then we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, Quavos tweeted uh, saying how you know it, this has been the best run of his career. And and I don't blame him. The guy has been on a tear. He just won 
a challenger in Province France, you know, before this in Estoril, makes it to the final before losing to Tsitsipas and, you know, takes out Tiafo uh, on the way there. You know, he he makes a he won another challenger tournament in Tunisia, uh, you know, a little bit earlier. And so the, the guy has been playing some really good tennis. You know, to say that it's his best, you know, run so far, you know, on the challenger tour, the, the guy is ranked 49 in the world. I, I you know, it would have been nicer to see it on the on you know the ATP level, but uh, still really impressive from from Cuevas. Yeah, you got Cuevas playing that whole clay court swing, just crushing, racking up the points, and now you got Cuevas at the challenger level playing those clay court challengers. What a nightmare for every other contestant in there. I know, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. You see a tournament? Oh, I got Pablo Cuevas second Great. round at a challenger <laughs> on on red clay. That's going to be a nice little loss. I'm going to go tank real quick. <laughs> no, I'm not going to try. I'm going to play. The guy's just one of the better clay court players we've had in the last 15 years. Yeah. No, it, He's it's sick on clay. I mean, and that brings up the debate. Like, is should this guy ranked 49 really be playing challengers? Like, come on, man. Like, that's yeah, the rules, you can do whatever they want. No, I absolutely. Know. You can play challenge. I mean, it's good for the sport because challengers get a different crowd of people yeah. um, out there. And it's it's good. It's good for the sport. Yeah, I hear you. All right, last, last tweet, um, just another tweet talking about the, the players with multiple titles this season. Djokovic with the Aussie Open and, and Madrid, Fed with Miami and Dubai, team with Indian Wells and Barca, Tsitsipas with Marseille and Estoril, and then Christian Garrett joining them uh, and, and joining that you know lovely group of talent winning Houston and Munich. Um, and it's funny that you know we, we keep calling him Christian Garrett, but I, you know, I was listening to the 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 tennis channel uh, commentators and you know they're Christian Garin uh, is Garin um, yeah my, yeah Garin my... sounds a little more legit than Garin yeah we're we're too American over here that's that's pretty bad that we've been calling him Garin this whole time it just it's like it's like Kachanov you know Garin Garin you know it's, am I gonna put the accent on every single time I, I sound like a back yeah we got to um, do a little bit better Garin Garin I just call right, him a well, tank because that guy's an absolute tank before we wrap up though we should talk about Zverev a little bit good guy Zverev um, so Zverev spikes the overhead in a doubles match with his brother and it, the ball oh, hits, a, hits a little girl in the crowd and then he goes up and he um, ties his headband around her. It was sort of awkward because um, he was like... Yeah, it didn't work the first time. And, girl, like... and he was like, turn around and then she turned around and like he didn't get the headband on like the first time and he basically <laughs> spent like a minute like wrapping a headband around yeah. this little girl. Like it's cool but at the same time maybe do a little less but honestly it's good to see him um, you know, s- sending some good energy out there. You know, that's yeah. all you can do at this point when you're struggling. He's about to lose to Matteo Berrettini right now, actually. Um, he's down set in 5-4, um, 30-all. So he could lose that match in, in the next 30 seconds. But it's good to see him spreading that good energy out there. And then also, you know, against Ferrer, he, he match point, he um, sort of interesting move because, like, it was love 40 on Ferrer's serve. So he gets his first match point. And then he, you know, lets the crowd do their thing and give him, you know, that ovation and 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 whatnot. But at the same time, I was wondering, it's like, what if you win that point? Like, do you keep doing that? Do you like, or do you lose that point? Do you keep giving him an ovation for every like match point? <laughs> You're just like basically saying, like, guys, cheer cheer for him because I'm getting this mother effing point right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's interesting, but at the same time, you know, still positive signs, still sending good energy out there. Yeah. Um, so good, good guys. Vera, two, two for two. 
a rocky two for two but a two for two nonetheless yeah still little w's for sure um well i want to wrap it up with two things one give me your dimitrov female comparison oh and then okay here's here 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 i'll just go right in okay (laughs) grigor dimitrov is the same is equal to caroline garcia wow they are identical they are identical. Two phenomenal physical talents with fantastic ball striking ability that go out without a plan every time and just they're on the court hitting balls. And if they're in the zone that day, they win. And if they're not, they're losing. And Caroline Garcia and Gregor Dimitrov are, you know, they are two peas in a pod. Just all the physical and, you know, talent in the world, but their mental game lacks something. Um, big time right now, especially as Caroline Garcia loses to Kiki Mladenovic. 6-1-6-2 in your DraftKings pick of the day. If you hit that one, you're in good shape um, for you know for all things going because that was a, that was sort of an upset and and it was six one six two, so massive score differential. And right now, Dimitrov down a set and about to be four all versus Jan Leonard Struff. So, Classic. I actually yeah. I, I bet on Struff in this match. I I had him there, but uh, that's another Twitter poll we'll do. We'll see. So if what do you think? What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah, I mean no, it's a pretty I, unbelievable I, comparison. It, it's it's wild. Not something I, I necessarily really thought about, but especially in current circumstances, I I'd agree with you. And, and I want to. I'm curious that it's an, that's another Twitter poll. So we got two Twitter polls to send out today, uh, and that'll be the second one to see if uh, the rest of our fans agree with you. But, Kale, usually we do this on a Sunday night. We I, I had to go with Gruskin last night because it had been too long. Uh, but usually because of that, we end up talking about Thrones. I want to give you 60 seconds to to give your Thrones take from the episode on Sunday. So, uh, Westoff, cue the clock. And, Kale, go ahead. Look, I mean, the dragon was sick. Like, at least we got, you know, our fill of the dragon. You know, we're, no one's no one's clamoring, oh, I need more dragon. Finally, good use of dragon. But it wasn't good use of dragon because, um, you know, there were uh, tens of thousands of innocent people melted. Um, the thing that I, I... It is what it is. Look, they're rushing the ending. It's fine. It's definitely the quality of this season's um, subpar in terms of the writing. Um, and, you know, it's not... it's. Pretty common take. It sucks. Sort of sucks to see all this crazy stuff, and then now they're just like jam packeting at the end. Like you could get a, at least two more seasons out of it. The show clearly makes money. I don't know. I don't know why they're rushing it like this, but ridiculous that that's the way Cersei dies. Unbelievably, unfathomably yeah. stupid. In, 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 imbecilic of the writers to not give Cersei the death that she deserved. She got to die in her lover's arms getting crushed by, you know, a 10,000 pound rock where she dies immediately. Like yeah. that is bullshit. I mean, yeah, is, they, they did it for Do you Gina. know how many people Cersei killed and tortured and murdered in her reign and all of the bad stuff that she did? And that's how she gets to die. She gets to die in Jamie's arms in an immediate death. And the mountain doesn't kill her when she walks by, when she tiptoes by, no <laughs> one just like says, okay, I'm going to cut you in half. Like, how do you not just cut her in half right there? I mean, yeah. and, you know, it is what it is, but but I was really f- infuriated with the manner of Cersei dying. Like, I, Cersei was like Bolton, you know? She needed a Ramsay Bolton-type death, and she right. got, like, she got a f- tansy cakes and peppermint cream death. <laughs> total bullshit. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there. there. There's a if any of you are on Instagram, go follow the Universe of Thrones Instagram because there is a hilarious tweet. And if you're an Office fan as well, of uh, <laughs> of Dwight, there's this little scene where these two of them are are kind of going in a circle, and Dwight just like tiptoes through them, and it's. It, it's hilarious. You'll you'll know the scene I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> just just go find that on Universe of Thrones. But yeah, thank you for your take. I, I mean, we could go on about this forever, but but maybe we'll take this offline. Uh, but Kale, thank you for you know waking up this morning again and doing this with me. Always a pleasure. Thank you, thank you for having me. Keep watching Rome. It's a good term. This clay court swings fun. That's a, a great way to end this. This is a great tournament to watch. It's uh, you know we're getting close to the French Open, uh, so you know. Definitely tune in to our website, the other podcasts. Uh, get all your Rome and Clay Court season coverage. Uh, but one last time for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who, as always, have a f- job to do. Thank you for all the work that you two put in. Uh, and to the entire Cracked te- Rackets team, we appreciate you as well. But, Kale, how do we always wrap these up? That's a break, my friend. And thank you to the super producers because this is not a fun job editing and stuff, and it really makes what we do a hundred times easier it, it absolutely that is true but that is a break and we'll see you all tomorrow tomorrow